You are listening to Rio Bravo Q Week Podcast, your weekly dose of knowledge brought to you by Rio Bravo Family Medicine Residency Program from Bakersfield, California, a UCLA-affiliated program sponsored by Clinica Sierra Vista. Let us be your healthcare home. This podcast was created for educational purposes only. Visit your primary care provider for additional medical advice. Hello, everyone. Thank you for listening to us. My name is Hector Ariasa, and I'm a faculty member in the Rio Bravo Family Medicine Residency Program. And today I have a very special guest. Her name is Ida Francis. And can you introduce yourself, Ida? Yes, doctor. Thank you for having me. My name is Ida Francis. I've been working at Kern Medical for the past year as a program specialist and also the simulation technologist. So I've been working closely with the emergency medicine department, which inspired my topic for today for your podcast, Antidotes to Toxidromes. I think it's a very good topic uh, because uh, we need to remember what are the antidotes for common toxidromes. So let's start with the definitions, Aida. Sure. Definitions. Antidotes are substances given as a remedy that inhibit the effects of another drug of abuse or poison. Most are not 100% effective and fatality is still possible after administration. Toxidrome is a constellation of signs and symptoms caused by an overdose or exposure to chemicals or drugs that interact with neuroreceptors. And toxidromes is the combination of the word toxin and syndrome. So when you told me that you wanted to talk about toxidromes, I asked people around, you know, do you know what a toxidrome is? And many people didn't know, including me. So, but it's good to know that it's a combination of toxin and syndrome. So the management of, and management of toxidromes are determined by the signs and symptoms, even when the causative agent has not been identified. That means you have signs and symptoms that are compatible with a toxidrome, you can start treatment right away. Right. And a little bit of background. It's really important that the World Health Organization reported that 13% of deaths caused by poisonings are in children and young adults. Intentional poisoning attempts are more frequent among adolescent women than men. It is difficult to evaluate poisoned patients because they are too altered to provide history and there is not enough time to perform a physical exam or obtain serum studies prior to life-saving interventions. And during COVID, I remember during COVID, it was probably more difficult because you didn't have any family member there to tell you a history. So I found a nice chart in Wikipedia. And yes, Wikipedia is a source that I use. And uh, I use it critical. I mean, I'm, I'm, I use critical thinking when I use <laughs> Wikipedia. So, but there was a nice chart that explains a very simple way to diagnose a toxidrome clinically. You need three elements. You need pupil size, you need temperature, and bowel sounds. For example, if you have pinpoint pupils with hyperactive bowel sounds, you can suspect that the patient has a cholinergic toxidrome. And for example, if you have dilated pupils with high temperature and hypoactive bowel sounds, you can think about having an anticholinergic toxidrome. So let's break up the the topic today into two parts. So we're going to start talking about the toxidromes that are caused 
by an imbalance of this very important neurotransmitter in our system that is called acetylcholine. And then it, the acetylcholine activity can be too high or too low in these toxidromes that we're going to talk about. And then we're going to talk about environmental exposures of others, other kinds of um, substances. Okay. So first, let's discuss anticholinergic toxidrome and physosigmine antidote. Anticholinergics inhibit the binding of acetylcholine to the muscarinic receptor on the central nervous system and the parasympathetic nervous system. Examples of anticholinergics include atropine and tiotropium. And I think it's also a concern in elderly patients, uh, especially. Other substances that may cause anticholinergic toxidrome include antihistamines, especially the first-generation kind like diphenhydramine or Benadryl, the antipsychotics like quetiapine, antidepressants like TCAs and paroxetine, and anti-Parkinsonian drugs, among others. Benzotropine is one of those drugs that can cause anticholinergic toxidrome. Symptoms of toxicity include tachycardia, non-reactive mydriasis, anhydrosis, dry mucous membranes, skin flushing, decreased bowel sounds, and urinary retention. Neurological symptoms include delirium, confusion, anxiety, agitation, mumbling, visual hallucinations, and strange behavior. Neurological symptoms last longer because of the anticholinergic lipophilic properties, which cause them to distribute into the fatty organs and tissues like the brain. Yeah, we can remember we can remember the, the mnemonics from medical school. Mad as a hatter, red as a beet, blind as a bat, hot as a hair, and dry as a bone. So in that way, you can remember when you see a patient with uh, anticholinergic toxidrome. And please in Spanish. Oh, in Spanish? Are you sure? Okay, I don't think we have many Spanish speakers in our audience, but I'm going to remember this. It's loco como una cabra, rojo como un tomate, ciego como un topo, seco como una piedra, y caliente como el infierno. Thank you. The antidote for anticholinergic toxidrome is physosigmine. It is an acetylcholinesterase inhibitor and prevents the metabolism of acetylcholine. This increases the level of acetylcholine in both the central nervous system and the peripheral nervous system. Physosigmine can cause seizures and arrhythmia, so close monitoring in the hospital is required during treatment. Good. I think it's good to remember the anticholinergic syndrome because you can see it, as I told you, in... Uh, elderly patients who are taking these common medications like Benadryl and also anti-Parkinsonian drug, drugs and also antipsychotics. So be aware of that, especially uh, when we talk about urinary retention. If you have a patient with urinary retention, it might be caused by a medication that is on this list, the anticholinergic drugs. Thank you. And in direct contrast to the anticholinergic toxidromes, let's now discuss the cholinergic toxidrome and its antidote atropine and pralidoxin. Acetylcholine is part of this parasympathetic nervous system and cholinergic substances can induce a parasympathetic response. Some of these substances include pesticides, organophosphates, carbamate, and nerve gas. And I want to take a minute to talk about chlorpyrifos. This is a substance that has been used to control insects in homes and fields since 1965. And it's an it's a, it's a cholinergic uh, pesticide. So it has been used in our crops in Bakersfield, California. And the most recent mass exposure to this substance, which is called chlorpyrifos, 
was in May 2017, so only five years ago. It was banned on food crops in the U.S. in August 2021, so that was basically less than one year ago. And it has been banned for residential use for a longer period, so much longer than that. But now it's banned for food crops. Repeated exposure of to chlorpyrifos causes autoimmune disorders and developmental delay in children and fetuses. So I just wanted to take a minute to tell you about this uh, substance because, uh, you know, it can cause these um, devastating uh, symptoms uh, chronically when you have a chronic exposure to it. But we're talking about acute exposure. So let's continue to talk about the cholinergic and toxidrome. Can I bother you for your um, your example in Venezuela? Oh, yeah. We had a patient with an exposure to organophosphate, which is one of the substances that can cause cholinergic toxidrome. And the patient had to get a good shower to be able to, to treat this patient efficiently. Thank you. Um, so the symptoms of cholinergic toxidrome can be summarized with the sludge triple B acronym you may all be familiar with. This includes salivation, lacrimation, urination, defecation, gastrointestinal cramping, emesis, bradycardia, bronchorrhea, and bronchospasm. There can also be muscle fasciculations and paralysis. Or if you can remember, if the patient is having a lot of discharge, like he has a lot of saliva, a lot of mucus, he has a lot of diarrhea, and he has emesis, then you can remember that most likely it's a cholinergic syndrome. Much easier. Thank you. And the antidote is atropine. Pralidoxum is used for organophosphates only because it cleaves the organophosphate acetylcholinesterase complex to release the enzyme to degrade acetylcholine. Pralidoxum should be used in combination with atropine, not as monotherapy. It requires hospital admission. And a note for organophosphate, remember that the patient needs external decontamination, as I mentioned before. That means a good shower. So let's go to part two of our discussion. We already talked about uh, anticholinergic and cholinergic toxidrome. So let's, let's keep going to the next part. Perfect. So carbon monoxide toxidrome and the antidote oxygen. Carbon monoxide intoxi intoxication is usually due to smoke inhalation injury. Carbon monoxide is a silent gas produced by carbon-containing fuel or charcoal. Carboxyhemoglobin forms in red blood cells when hemoglobin combines with carbon monoxide, reducing the binding availability of oxygen at the tissue level. So to make it simple, to me, I just imagine... It's like carbon monoxide falls in love with hemoglobin. So hemoglobin has a partner, mm -hmm. which is oxygen, but then it falls, with love, falls in love with carbon monoxide. So hemoglobin basically cheats on oxygen by binding to carbon monoxide instead and neglects oxygen delivery to tissues. Oh, no. So that's what happens, <laughs> basically. So carbon monoxide also causes direct cellular toxicity. The symptoms and signs of poisoning include headache, Alternative status, nausea, vomiting, visual disturbance, cherry red lips, coma, and seizures. You can also see lactic acidosis and pulmonary edema. So the neurological symptoms can be chronic. So it's important to follow up these patients after they are treated in the ER and after they are discharged from the hospital. It's important to follow up in clinic. The blood carboxyhemoglobin level must be used to confirm the diagnosis because standard pulse oximetry and arterial partial oxygen pressure cannot differentiate carboxyhemoglobin from normal oxygenated hemoglobin. 
you must obtain serum carboxyhemoglobin levels to confirm. The antidote is 100% oxygen or hyperbaric oxygen therapy and close follow-up. Consider intubating if there is edema of the airways due to inhalation injury. Yeah, and, you know, let's remember to be cautious also to prevent this kind of poisoning. So use your carbon monoxide alarms if you are camping, if you are in a boat, or even if you're at home. I think most homes now they have the carbon monoxide alarm. So that's a way to prevent poisoning or this toxidrome. So now let's discuss our next topic or the next part of our podcast, which is cyanide toxidrome. And the antidotes include sodium nitrite, sodium thiosulfate, and hydroxycobalamin. So in combination with carbon monoxide poisoning, cyanide poisoning can simultaneously be caused by inhalation of smoke or colorless hydrogen cyanide. It can also be caused by ingestion of cyanide salts or prolonged use of sodium nitroprusside as seen with ICU patients for hypertensive emergency. Symptoms are very similar to carbon monoxide poisoning, so there may be long-term neurologic deficits and Parkinsonism. Diagnosis is clinical and waiting for serum cyanide sometimes can cause treatment delay, so you don't have to wait to start the treatment. So, However, serum lactate levels over 10 millimoles per liter suggest cyanide, cyanide poisoning, but many, many other things can cause lactic acidosis too. But if it's above 10, you can suspect uh, cyanide poisoning. So since this is clinical, we're going to try and treat it right away. So since cyanide poisoning resembles carbon monoxide poisoning and both toxidromes typically present simultaneously in the pathognomonic fire victim, treat simultaneously with sodium nitrate, sodium thiosulfate, and hydroxocobalamin, as well as oxygen, as mentioned with carbon monoxide poisoning. I never thought about that, but that's, that's, how, that's how you treat a um, fire victim, basically, right? Mm-hmm. So you give this... Three substances, sodium nitride, sodium thiosulfate, and hydroxycobalamin, and you give a lot of oxygen. So um, that's good to know. Um, now let's discuss the antidotes for hypnotic and sedative substances, mostly benzos, and the antidote is plumazenine. So examples, again, of hypnotic or sedative substances are alcohol, benzodiazepine, or zolpidem. And signs and symptoms of toxicity include slurred speech, ataxia, incoordination, disorientation, stupor, and coma, with mild and rare hypoventilation and bradycardia. The antidote is flumazenil, which is a competitive antagonist at the benzodiazepine receptor. After treatment, monitor patients for seizures in case of tricyclic antidepressant poisoning, arrhythmia, or epilepsy. Good. Now we can discuss this uh, you know, big topic because it's it's been in the news for a long time, and it's opioid intoxication. So the antidote is naloxone. So let's talk about that one. Absolutely. Examples of opioid intoxication in children would be heroin in adolescents recreationally or accidental ingestion of pain medications in young children exploring the me- the medication cabinet. Signs and symptoms are similar to the sedative toxidrome except for the pathognomonic finding of meiosis or pinpoint pupils on physical exam. There will also be respiratory depression, hyperreflexia, bradycardia, muscle rigidity, and absent bowel sounds or constipation. Hypoventilation is severe and can cause death. 
The antidote is naloxone, which is a synthetic opioid receptor antagonist that can diagnose and treat opioid poisoning. It is indicated if the respiratory rate is less than 12. It has a short half-life and is repeatedly administered every three to five minutes until respiratory drive is restored in order to avoid rebound respiratory depression and intubation. It has a rapid onset, so the patient must be observed for 24 hours for opioid withdrawal symptoms. Okay, so we have talked about anticholinergic, doxydrome cholinergic. We talked about uh, benzos and cyanide and carbon monoxide and opioids. So I feel like it requires a lot of clinical skills to diagnose these doxydromes and start the treatment um, appropriately. So um, we might not encounter these patients in the clinics, but if we do, we should be able to recognize or at least suspect what poisoning is happening in that patient. And then we can uh, start the antidote if we, have, if we have it available in clinic. Thank you so much, Ida, for this topic. It's been very good for me for, for review, and I hope our listeners um, understood and our listeners are motivated to learn more about these toxidromes. Thank you so much. I hope it prepared everybody better. Um, I feel more prepared now to if I see somebody like this in the future. And so as conclusion, this concludes my discussion of toxidromes. Reflecting back, it's important to be able to recognize a toxidrome and antidote early. Once an antidote is administered, you should observe the patient 24 hours for symptoms of rebound toxicity or withdrawal. Consider repeat administration of the antidote if rebound symptoms occur and treat withdrawal symptoms as needed. Don't forget to consider multi-drug poisoning if symptoms are nonspecific. Thank you again for having me. It's been a pleasure. Um, I hope that you all enjoy reviewing this topic. And again, my name is Ida Francis. It has been a pleasure sharing this time with you. Thank you so much, Dr. Francis. Thank you. Now we conclude our episode number 108, Antidotes to Toxidromes. Remember, you can start treatment of a patient with typical signs and symptoms of specific toxidromes, especially in patients who are unstable. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We thank Hector Ariasa, Ida Francis, and Ariana Lundquist. Audio edition by Adrian Silva. Even without trying, every night you go to bed a little wiser. Thanks for listening to Rio Bravo Q Week podcast. We want to hear from you. Send us an email at riobravoqweek at clinicasierravista.org or visit our website, riobravofmrp.org slash qweek. See you next week.